and uh, she was sitting up there tonight. I said, are you singing solo tonight? She will sing with me. And I was like, no, better not do that. I said, what you singing? I said, I don't know if I've heard that song or not, but I've heard it now. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Lord knows exactly what we need. To be honest, it goes right along with the message, and I didn't know anything about that song. That's just the way the Lord works, isn't it? And I'm very thankful that uh, we are all, and I want to say to you that I realize our inability and our, you know, as I was preaching this morning, we're all sinners, aren't we? And, uh, but I'm glad that God works in our hearts. And helps us. And I hope and pray he'll do that tonight. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 2. 2 Samuel chapter number 2. I'm going to, again, after a short brief period of not preaching on the life of David. We want to get back to that tonight. To be fair, I've been trying to, you know, not that... The, all the Bible's good, but sometimes some things are more appropriate for Sunday morning. Some are more appropriate for Sunday night. And again, it's so good to have the Williams with us tonight. It's amazing that I thought of him. I'm telling you, uh, last week, Miss um, I don't know if you had gotten here, but with the young and Sunday, you had to get them. But, you know, when we watched that of Easton at River Valley, Brother Williams had helped them for such a long time. And, you know, they struggled there. Uh, for a long time, and so when he asked us to watch that video the other day, we watched it. They had over 100 people there. Brother Mike went to church there for a long period of time, and uh, but they went through some hard times. Well, man, I was so encouraged. They had over 100 people in service on that Sunday. They had a youth Sunday, and uh, Brother Easton spoke and did a great job, and uh, you know, the children were singing, the teens were singing. It was a real encouragement to me, and I thought of you. I said, man, I, he needs to know that, so the Lord knows exactly what we need, doesn't he? And because uh, I know that I'm sure I haven't spoken to Brother Williams about that, but, you know, I know they went through a rough time and, and uh, be quite honest, uh, didn't know if it was going to survive. But boy, they're doing well. And uh, we're encouraged by that. And uh, I don't know, Mike, do you know the pastor there? His name's Nathan Smith. He's from the Talkett area. I, I wasn't aware of him either, but doing a great job. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, and if we'll begin reading there, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And uh, again, if you remember, just to get caught up, Saul has died. And uh, we, the last time we preached, uh, I preached on loving like God loves in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Because of the reaction of David was not what you would think it would be. And uh, here his foe, his, the man that had been hunting him like an animal, died. Most men would have been thankful and said, man, finally God took care of my problem. But you notice David did not respond that way. His heart was broke and he loved Saul. And I believe he showed a great example of how God loves. And so that was the message. So now we're just moving right on in chapter 2. Now we know many years before David had been anointed king. Hadn't happened yet. But we're getting ready to see it happen. But not completely like we probably think in chapter 2. Two, but let's begin reading. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto Hebron. 
So David went up thither, and his two wives also, Anaom, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. And his men that were with him did David bring up, every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were they that buried Saul. And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead, and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. And now the Lord show kindness and truth unto you. And I also will require you this kindness, because ye have done this thing. Therefore now let your hands be strengthened, and be ye valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah have anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's host, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Maenaim, and made him king over Gilead, and over the Asherites, and over Jezreel, and over Ephraim, and over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. In the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now I would continue reading here, but for the sake of time, basically what takes place in this next part of this chapter is that Abner, which was the captain of the host for Saul, and then he uh, went to Joab, which was the captain of the host of David. For some reason, this is a really strange thing. He had some kind of a contest. Uh, he challenged uh, Joab. And what happened was, in this challenge, 24 of the participants, these men that played in this challenge, 24 of them died. And then it didn't stop there. If you keep reading the chapter, a civil war ensued. So now you not only have this, uh, these 24 men that played, and you know, obviously it wasn't a game, but it started out as a contest, but it became out to be a feud and became an all-out war. And so for many years we see there was a civil war between the north and the south of Israel. So that's where we're at. I want to look at these first 11 verses, and I want to just speak tonight with the help of the Lord on this thought, divine detours. Divine detours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. I pray now that you'll help us speak to us. And again, we pray that you'll illuminate your word. Help us to apply your word to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, King Saul has died. Now, we expect, and by the way, I believe probably David probably expected some type of a smooth transition because this is what God had promised him. This is where we've been trying to get. This is where he'd been trying to get. God had anointed him. By the way, all of this from the time Samuel anointed him at home, this probably been about 15 years between when he was anointed to this time. So you think about it, 15 years. That's about, as, about almost as long as I've been here, 15 years. It'll be 15 years in February. But since he's been, uh, this has been God's plan all along that he anointed him king. This is his plan. He thought everything, no doubt, would be immediate. Many times we think that God's plan, God's promises are immediate. But you know what? God works in ways that in, are different than what our ways are. We know the Bible tells us that in the book of Isaiah. But we know from the very first time that David's brothers uh, went and fetched him from watching the sheep 
until this day, 15 years, nearly 15 years, actually a little over 15 years, had taken place for him being king. He's running from Saul. He's, he's played the harp for Saul. I mean, we've read all of his life, most of the high parts from this point until then. And we understand something about David's life. There was a lot of detours. And to be fair, there's still detours. And I believe not one of these detours that God allowed David to go through, every one of them had a purpose in David's life. And if the truth is, we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he worked in the heart of David through the detours of life, listen to me, he also works in our hearts through detours. There's divine detours. Let me just give you a few things tonight that we'll find in the first three verses. Number one, I want you to notice divine detours happen, happens out of obedience. Now notice these detours did not take place in this passage of scripture because David was being disobedient. He was being obedient. Notice the Bible tells us there, in chapter 2, verse 1, he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord not only told him, look, you're to go up. And he said, look, should I go up? And then he asked him, he said, he said Lord, shall I go up in any, any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. And David said, whether shall I go up? And he said, go unto Hebron. So I want you to notice something. He was very detailed in his questioning. He was very detailed in his inquiring of the Lord. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then he said, where do you want me to go? And by the way, when we think about this, David asked God where he should go. And most people, here's the point, most of us don't even ask him. We just do it. We make our own way. We push through. David not only inquired, said, Lord, should I go up? Then he said this, where should I go? And the Lord told him to go to Hebron. Not only did David ask God where he should go, but he also obeyed and he moved to Hebron. So this delay still took place even though he obeyed. Do you understand that he's going to rule Judah, the northern part of Israel, for seven and a half years? It's already been 15 years that he's been asked was told, was anointed that you're going to be king over Israel. Now he's got to wait. He doesn't even know how long he's got to wait. But we know now reading scripture that he had to wait another seven and a half years before he came king over Israel. You say, Pastor Mark, why doesn't God do everything immediate? God has divine detours. Why? He's trying to prepare a king. And by the way, when we start questioning, and by the way, we all do it. I'm not going to preach to you and say, oh, you're a dirty, rotten scandal for questioning the Lord and not wondering why and when and how and why not now. I, look, we've all done it. Can I get a witness? But all I'm trying to do, you, all I'm trying to do tonight is to expose uh, the man of God that God says will man for God's own heart. We see that God worked in detours in his life. So if we know that God works in detours in David's life, he'll work detours. In our life. And I also want you to understand that sometimes God tells us to wait. Sometimes things don't end up like we think they should. Not because we're being disobedient. That's the point. This came out because he was doing the right thing. So we know that divine detours happen out of obedience. Can I say we also learn from this passage of scripture 
that God has purpose for it. God always has a purpose for detours. What we think, by the way, we call them detours, it's God's plan. See, we call them detours, it's really not. They might be detours to us, but they're God's plan all along. He has a purpose. By the way, I want you to know something, he does all things well. Do y'all believe that? I do too. But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like everything that he does. I don't like the timing of things. I want to know now. I want to see now. I want to understand why now. I want to know why. Did this happen, Lord? Why? This is what I had in mind, Lord. I thought this was going to take place now. Why do I have to wait so long? I'm sure David did the same. But we find in this scripture that David moved to Hebron in this homeland of Judah was very important politically. Now, I don't like this aspect of it, but we understand we got to deal with people. Do y'all understand? We have to deal with people. And God knows that we have to deal with people. And by the way, God's ultimate goal in dealing with people, if someone's lost, He wants to see them saved. Amen. If someone's not where they need to be, God's ultimate goal is to get them in the right relationship with Him. But by the way, sometimes we get ahead of God and we try to help Him out a little bit. Now, I'm for trying to be an encouragement to people, but sometimes we get in the way. And I say this, God knows here that he's got to deal with people. He's anointing him king over Judah. But do you understand these men of Jabesh Gilead are loyal to Saul? Here's what's amazing to me. David's leadership here in Judah. Listen, David was faithful to being the king of Judah. David's leadership in Judah was important and God knew it. God had a reason why he didn't go ahead and put him over the whole Israel. He wanted him to be there. Why? Number one, number one, as we've read the life of Saul, this was for sure a formalized break that he had with the Philistines. Remember, Ziklag didn't happen but too long ago. David was with the Philistines. David was actually going to go to war against his own people. So God knew that the people of Israel need to know, even his own men. Look, are we through with the Philistines? Well, he's through with them if he's king of Judah. So God gave the break. I, I thought of someone, someone the other day, they were talking about, you know, if you are living in the world and you're not saved and you're living like the world and you have a bunch of friends... I've learned this in life. If you get saved or if you get right with God, you normally don't have to go and tell one of them friends, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. Normally they'll separate themselves from you. That's normally what happens. They'll separate from you. You normally don't have to go and say, hey, I just want you to know I can't hang around with you anymore because you're doing things I don't want to do anymore. You won't have to tell them that. They will separate from you. Normally. But God had to have a formalized break here with his alliance with the Philistines. So he was anointed king of Judah. Not Israel, Judah. Then I thought of this. God knows people. God also knew there was a purpose in him becoming king of Judah and putting his effort and time and heart into these people because he helped him become friends with the people of Jabesh Gilead. If you notice here, Jabesh Gilead, the men, they buried Saul. They loved Saul. They were loyal to Saul. But yet these were men that David was going to become king and a leader. And you know as well as I do, transitions of leadership is not always easy. But I'm telling you right now, God knows what he's doing. Amen? 
is a purpose. And notice how kind he was to these men in Jabez Gilead. And I just have a sneaky suspicion David had, he had a little bit of smart about him. He knew that he better be kind to these people because he knew that God wanted him to lead. He had just been uh, anointed king and he was going to have to serve these people and lead these people and love these people and God knows what he's doing. So he helped him become friends with the people of Jabez Gilead. And then this is just something simple, but God has his purposes in these delays or in these detours. He wanted David to earn the favor. He was going to be able to earn the favor of these people and later to get support from all of Israel. So God knows what he's doing. By the way, we read in this chapter, I didn't read it, but I explained it to you. Civil war breaks out. In this chapter, hundreds of men die because there's the family of Saul and the old regime and the new regime. And of course, it wasn't David's fault that caused the civil war. Remember, David had already promised Saul, I will not touch one of your brethren or one of your sons. He never harmed one of Saul's sons. But because of uh, Abner here, he wanted to have some kind of a game, some kind of a fighting game. 24 men were killed. Then they had an all-out war. So we know that the tensions were running high and God knew all of that. See, sometimes we want God to do something instantly and God knows better than doing it instantly. He knows there's things that needs to be worked out first. Maybe something needs to take place. So listen, David was anointed three times. He was anointed here in our text. He was anointed as a shepherd boy at his home. And here in a little while, in over seven and a half years, he's going to be anointed again to become, for the third time, he's going to be anointed. He's going to be king over all of Israel. And I want you to think about it. David didn't know all them detours in his life. I'm sure when Samuel came and told him, hey, God's picked him out a man. You're going to be the man. I'm sure just like you and I would have thought, man, when's this going to happen? He never dreamed it would be 15 years later. And see, sometimes, here's why I'm expressing this. Sometimes we get discouraged because of time. Don't get discouraged because of time. See, Israel was divided. See, this was a messy time in Israel. David was made the governor over Judah from Hebron for seven and a half years, while Ishbosheth ruled the north for two years. Now, when would David be king over all of nation as God had promised? God had already promised him. Hey, why must there be so much more delay? Why must there be such a messy conflict? I don't understand it. David didn't understand it. And with Saul out of the scene, just put David in. I mean, that's what we would all think. Hey, Saul's gone. Let's just put him in. Let's just put him in. Why do we have to delay? Why do we have to go through this mess? Why do we have to go through this conflict? Lord, you need to fulfill your promise. By the way, the Lord's going to fulfill his promise. But see, these are the questions that no doubt that we would ask in our own lives. How many of you say, old me? We've all done it. We've all done it. And by the way, let me just say this. We're human. God knows us. But even in the midst of that, while we're questioning the Lord, let me, here's what I'm trying to say. Don't, look, I, I, I've, I've thought of this. Your faith might get real thin. There might be times that your faith, you're struggling. But let me just tell you that you better keep trusting. There's a whole different story between you're struggling 
by trusting and not trusting at all. Somebody say amen. We might not know everything, but we're going to trust him through it. And so as he's contending here, David has to wait another seven and a half years before he would see God's promise fulfilled in his life. And not only that, he has to contend with the remnant of Saul's family. And by the way, he's not going to fight them. He's not going to exterminate them. Why? Because he made a promise. Remember, he made a promise to Saul when he had a chance to kill him in the cave. Saul asked him. He said, I'll never raise my hand. And by the way, we know one of the greatest pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ is what David did to Mephibosheth. It showed the kindness of the king when he went and said, is there anyone of the house of Saul? Yeah, there's one down there at Lodi Bar. He's a cripple. Saul said, go get him. He said, go fetch him. Amen. David was a southerner. Go fetch him. They went and got him. He put him in royal clothes. Put him at the table, at the king's table. He said, you're going to banquet with me. You're going to dine with me. Listen, that's what the Lord did for us. We were crippled. We were broken. We were old sinners. But I thank God we have the kindness of the king. He came and found me in an old place called Lodibar. And he brought me in and he brought me under his banqueting table. And he became, and I became his child. And I thank God for it. So we know that he was kind to his family. Even here, he's not fighting back with Ishbosheth. But all these twists, all these turns in life is something that we have a hard time understanding. No doubt he was, he was hard understanding. Because why? Lord, you gave me this promise. And you know what? I think about it in our own lives. Boy, how many of y'all had some twists and turns in your life? All of us have. Twists and turns. Man, I, I, I just think about here, just in the group of people here, and we've been here, like I said, it'd be 15 years. And uh, I know the twists and turns of many of your lives. You know the twists and turns of some of my, in my life and our family and us being family together here for 15 years. We know the twists and turns. Some things we can share, some things we can't. But the truth is all of us have went through twists and turns in life and if we had the fair chance to say, Lord, I don't want to go through these things, we would have said no and we wouldn't have chosen. them. Right. Why? We want God to fulfill His promise now. We want God to fulfill his promise today. I just want y'all to know something. It won't hurt me one bit if he fulfills his promise today and that trump sounds and we're called up out of here. I'm, I, and I, y'all probably think I'm being super spiritual. I'm really not. I'm being completely honest. I don't understand the fear. Now look, I don't want to die today and I'm going to do everything I can to stay alive, but don't threaten me with heaven. I mean, I'm going to be honest, and I'm not being ugly, but I was really shocked at the fear that gripped the Christian world in these last few years. I'm just going to be honest, it shocks me. It it shocked me a little bit because I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't threaten us with heaven. I mean, that's where we're all trying to get, isn't it? Now, I don't want to go today, and I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm just saying, but that is one promise right now. I'm going to be honest, it wouldn't bother me if he came right now, would it you? I'd like to get on up out of here. We won't hear no more war. We won't have to hear no more sin. We won't have no more heartbreak. 
We won't have no more late phone calls at night with someone destroying their life. We won't have any more goodbyes. We won't have anybody say, oh, pastor, I didn't listen. Or a mom and a dad, oh, I didn't listen. We won't have any more of that. We'll be in heaven. I don't care if He comes today. I'd be honest with you, I'd like for Him to come. And by the way, He's going to come in His own good time. But that's a promise. I'm going to be honest with you. Wouldn't bother me right now if he came right now. But you know what? He's probably not. But it's going to be soon. But until then, until then, until then, I know that he's going to fulfill every promise and time is not an issue for him. But you know what? We want everything fulfilled now. We want every promise fulfilled now. We want it quickly and we want it with ease. We don't want any detours. We don't want any delays. We want it now. Give it to us now. Amen? Why? Because we've been taught. We've been programmed. We value speed today. We want to take the shortest route. Hey Siri, give me the shortest route to so and so. Redirecting. We got GPSs in our car. Back when I was a little boy, man, you had to learn what a map was and use the legends. You had to take a little pencil, mark a little place on a pencil, and you did the miles by marking it on the map. Now, man, you got a series that says 21 miles till destination. And now, if the, if the interstate's blocked, you can put Google Maps up, and it will tell you the quickest way in a matter of seconds. We want it now. Hey, hey, we've been taught that speed is absolutely of the all-time utmost important. We want the shortest route. We want the quickest way. Hey, over the years, we've almost seen every aspect of gaining speed. We eat fast food. And by the way, if we don't get that food quick enough, poor little waitress. And can I just sit there a minute and preach a moment? Don't tell them you're at our church and act awful to your waitress. I'd rather you not tell them who you are and where you go to church. And please don't lay a track if you're going to be hateful to the waitress. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Let's be careful there. You say, Pastor, that ain't preaching. That's just good advice. And I, I'm going to be honest, I used to get put out with people like that. And here I remember, and you know, if you ever, and I'm being honest, if you go to eat with me and you're hateful, I'm going to put it on smoother with that. I'm going to say, thank you, I appreciate you. Because I'm telling you right now, you better be careful they're handling your food behind closed doors. Amen. But why? Why do we get frustrated? It ain't fast enough. We want it quicker. Hey, what about microwave dinners? Man, we're accustomed to that. How about them instant noodles? Instant grits. Hey, instant grits. Uh, ramen noodles, man. You can have them things in no time. Hey, why? well, everything's fast. In fact, being slow today with stuff is almost like a sin. I wonder what my grandma Brandon would think. Man, I wonder what some of these older folks would think living here now with everything speed. Man, everything took forever years ago. Hey, fast. See, this is our mindset. But let me just say, I believe having this kind of a mindset. Here's what it 
battles. This is what that kind of mindset does in the spiritual realm. Here's what it will all set. This is what it will hurt. When we have this mindset, God, you need to do it now. And we always get discouraged because we don't think he's working fast enough. Here's what we take away. We minimize this principle. Be still and know that he is God. See, we take that away. When we have that mindset, that Lord, why this detour? Why do I have to wait on this? Why do I got to do this? I don't understand this. See, what we're doing is we're so upset by the pattern, we're missing the person. We're so interested in the problems. We're so interested in the delay. We miss what the person is doing. The person is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if this is our mindset, we'll, we'll not say, hey, I need to be still here and know that he is God, Psalm 46.10. See, let me just say this quickly. God is in no hurry, and this is the whole crutch of the whole message, and I'm going to close. God is in no hurry to put David on the throne. We are. We are. We're in a hurry to get him there. I'm sure David was ready to get there, but God wasn't. And look, and when we're in a hurry, we're running ahead of God, and we find it hard to trust him. Here it is. Y'all write this down. See, our part is just like David's. We should be inquiring of the Lord. Just as David did, he inquired of the Lord. Y'all ready? God is not primarily interested in transporting you somewhere. Get a hold of it. He's not primarily interested in transporting you somewhere. He's rather more interested in transforming you like somebody. See, we, we, we want the transport. We want the transporting. We want to move from here to here. God's not so much interested in the transportation. Y'all ready? He's more involved in transforming us to be more like Him. Isn't that the Christian life? But I've learned something about this. This don't happen overnight. Do you know where most people are transformed in the detours? What we think are detours. And you know why a lot of people won't be transformed? Here's why. They're more worried about being transported. They got to get it done. They bull through. They push through. We do it our way without the wisdom of God. See, when we're, when we're being conformed to the image of his son, he's not worried about how we're getting there. He's more worried that we are getting there. That we're being transformed, not transported. See, we're worried. We're so much worried about the, we're, we're, we're more worried about the, the way, the getting there. Look back through the Old Testament. What did the Lord say to the people in the Egyptian when he bared them on eagles' wings? Well, they didn't, they didn't really see it like God did. He said, look, I bore you on eagle's wings, what? To bring you from one place to another. Well, all they seen was the journey. But God says, no, what you didn't understand, I was bearing you on my wings and you went through all that trouble because I was wanting to bring you unto myself. See, that's the goal of life. How close are you to Jesus right now? How close am I to Jesus right now? See, our part is to inquire of the Lord. God's not primarily interested in the transporting. He's more interested in the transforming. See, the destination is not God's greatest concern. 
the journey is. Hey, David had learned, even up to this point, over this long journey, to submit to God's way. He didn't always do it. He sinned. By the way, we're going to learn later on in his life, he still did it. He still didn't always submit to the Lord at that moment. He didn't always inquire of the Lord, but we find him right now, he's inquiring of the Lord. And I believe because he had just went through the mess in Ziklag. There were times that he drifted in sin. And look at me. There's going to be times, and there has been times probably in all of our lives, we've drifted in sin. Could I get it on me? I mean, could I ask y'all a real pungent question right now? Are you as close to the Lord right now as you've ever been? I'll never forget, Brian McBride was preaching revival. And he said, I was... uh, when I got ordained, he said I was ordained by a bunch of deacons and preachers. And he said, man, I'd studied for that thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes them things are a nightmare. And he said, I was studying for that. And he said, man, I was sitting there. And then preachers were asking all these questions about eschatology and ecclesiology and soteriology and homardiology. He said, I'd studied all that stuff. Then he started talking to him about pneumatology, which is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And boy, he said, man, he said, well, describe to us what you mean by being filled with the Spirit of God. He said, man, Brian, he said, man, I just ripped it out, man. He said, I just said, here's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. About that time, one of them old deacons in that church, he didn't go to Bible college. He wasn't one of them preachers. He was just a faithful man of God that had been faithful to that church for 40 years. Up in years, gray hair, and what hair he had, it was gray, and what little he had because it was bald. But he'd been faithful to God all those years. And that old deacon looked at him. He says, well, he said, Sonny, can I ask you another question? He said, you've told us what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But he says, are you right now? See, David learned he had, he drifted in sin. By the way, we're going to drift in sin. We have drifted in sin. It shouldn't be our goal. We should ask God to help us for us not to wander. But even the hymn writer said, Lord, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. David left the God he loved. But here's the amazing thing about David, and I believe this is what set David apart from why God called him and didn't throw him away. Because when he left him, he came back. And he got right, and he did it as quickly as he could. Y'all will never read a better writing of how to get right and stay right with God than Psalm 51. David wrote it. See, there was times he drifted, he sinned, but look, he repented and returned. And by the way, I don't know where you are tonight. If you're not where you need to be, here's some good news for you. Then you can repent and get there right now tonight. See, we see him grow in faith, not in himself, but in God. We see him trusting God more and more over the difficult circumstances. He might not understand the things and how they would turn out, and obviously he wouldn't. But he's learned not to take things into his own hands. Now, it's going to take some more time and more adversity is going to happen in his life. And we're going to read all of it. We're going to study all of it. But there's a long time before we get to 2 Samuel chapter 5. 
But I want to serve notice to you tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Let me tell you something. David becomes king over all of Israel. And God keeps his promise. And let me help everyone here tonight. God will keep his promises. You might think they're a detour. You might think it's a delay. It is divinely orchestrated by a God that knows exactly what he's doing. Can I get a witness? I believe in the providence of God, no doubt about it. And I know that he does all things well. Got to close. Me and three others was working on the cantata tonight. One of the reasons why I like this cantata is it mentions a hero of history, Stonewall Jackson. Now, a lot of people might not know a whole lot about Stonewall Jackson, but he was absolutely a national hero in the 60s, 1860s. He was a hero. I mean, a national hero, both when the South and the North didn't like him, but he was still a hero. He was the Stonewall, you know, at Frederick, at, uh, at, uh, the first battle of this went. No, it wasn't Fredericksburg, the very first one. Help me there. And uh, I never forgot what it was. That's all. No, never mind. It's the very first one. Uh, yep, Bull Run. Thank you. There's a northerner giving an answer to the southerner. Bull Run, first and second. There was two Bull Runs, first Bull Run. But y'all know Stonewall Jackson held like a stone wall. His brigade did. And. Uh, I've read his personal letters that he, one of the best books I have, his wife released his personal letters to her. And he made that comment in one of his letters. He said, I feel as safe on the battlefield as I do in my own parlor. You know why he could say that? Because he had a complete trust in the God of heaven. Even in a battlefield, he thought, if I'm to die, that's when God wants me to go. You say, oh, pastor, I can never live that way. Well, we need to trust him. His detours are divinely directed in our lives. Let's not get impatient. Amen. Let's stand on our feet tonight. Divine detours. I think the greatest application we could take from this is, are we worried more about the transporting or the transforming? He has a work that he wants to do in all of our hearts. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's a pretty good good, uh, goal to live by, isn't it? To strive. Are we like Jesus? To be conformed to the image of his son. If we're realizing this is taking place in our life, then we'll understand. We might not understand everything about the detours, but we understand the God of heaven sometimes puts twists and turns in our lives, and we must trust him. Trust him. Amen? With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, can I just ask this question? You say, Pastor, right now I feel like I'm in a twist. I feel like I'm in a turn. I feel like there's something going on right now in my life, and it seems like a delay. Would that be you? Well, then 
Let's ask him to help us to trust him in what we think is a detour. Can I ask this in closing? How many of you truly believe that God does all things well? How many of you truly believe that? Would you raise your hand if you truly believe that? I really do. I believe that. But that doesn't mean that we like everything that he does. Let's trust him. Amen. They're going to begin to play. And you say, that's me. I'm at a place in my life. I just want to trust him. I need to trust him. Then let him have his way. That's the real struggle. We want our way. And you know what? I've learned this. We've gotten really good. We've become so spiritual. We know how to say things. And we make them sound like they're spiritual. But still, really, if the truth's known, we're still doing it our way. God help us. Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, take your word. We thank you for working in the heart of David. These are very practical things. Lord, all of us go through things in life we don't understand. We don't like the time frame of it. We don't like the timing of it. We don't even like the length of it. But Lord, I pray you'll help to settle us in in those moments. Many times you'll send detours in our life while we are obeying you. But Lord, we know these detours, what we think are detours, they're your perfect plan. So I pray you'll help us to trust you. Lord, I know there's folks here tonight that are dealing with issues of life that is time sensitive. So I pray that hopefully something tonight, your word and the spirit of God will comfort their hearts. We'll thank you for what you do and we'll give you all the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name.